To record this podcast episode, I traveled to the small coastal town of Point Arena, California, to join Lauren Sinnott in her home, surrounded by countless works of her art, to discuss her latest and most impressive mural project. Upon entering Lauren's home, I saw that her walls were lushly decorated in framed drawings, paintings, and creative pieces. Her sewing machine occupied a table at the ready to create. She showed me a purse that she had sewn recently with a velvet vulva boldly showcased on the front. Lauren regaled me with tales of her adventures and artistry, and even some stories about her years as the mayor of Point Arena, as we sat down to record this episode. In recent years, Lauren has been steadfastly working on painting a mural on the side of the Ukiah Conference Center, which is 19 feet tall and over 150 feet long, featuring 26 different panels and over 200 portraits of local people. In this interview, Lauren explains how she came to be involved in this epic project, and she explores how she chose what to include in her overall design of this comprehensive expression of Ukiah's past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. 
They pave the way for us today. They pave the way for us today. They pave the way. Today they paved the way for us. Today they paved the way for us. Today we have all the wisdom of the ancestors. We have all the wisdom of the ancestors. We carry all. and you're listening to The Positive Fantastic. My guest today is Lauren Sinnett. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, thank you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's really exciting because I was walking around the streets of Ukiah with a friend who's a midwife, and we came upon your mural, and it was farther along than it had been. I've been watching the progress over the course of the last year plus, really. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and she had a connection with you because you had made these velvet yonis <laughs> back in the day. Yes. And so it was just this fun thing. And I thought, wow, I would love to have you on the podcast because the mural is really starting to become um, a fixture on the side of the Ukiah Conference Center. And I would love to hear more about the story. So I'm excited that you're here to tell us more about your process with the artistry of it and um and the development of how you chose the different panels and what what got to be included in that narrative. Yeah, it was quite an, a story. It started. I'll keep this really brief for right now. It it was 
open-ended that um, we'll get into the background of it, but basically what they wanted was um, a positive sense of the future, pride in our unique and diverse community, and a focus on landscape. Mm -hmm. And so you could come up with a lot of things, but I always think of history and the wall lent itself to that because it's like divided into panels. Right. And so that sprang into my mind and I thought this is what I need to go for. And I did and, and won the competition. But then the project ballooned even more than I I mean, if I had sat down and predicted exactly what would happen, which is something I never do, um, maybe I would have come up with all this. But it ballooned in the sense that people told me stories. So more got put in, but then they got to be in it because you always need subject matter. You know, an artist, if I'm going to do someone sitting, I'd say, hey, Maury, can you pose for this? But now the people posing could be the people that are the stories themselves. So it ended up having over 200 portraits and being really connected to the community. Totally. Today's PSA is about this mural project. So if you go to www.historymural.com, you can see a more comprehensive understanding. And you can actually look at the mural if you're uh, not in Ukiah or not local to Mendocino County and see what we're talking about um, for the rest of this podcast. And tentatively, because COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in all things, um, Sunday, June 12th, the mural is going to be having its opening. And there'll be some music and... um, There'll be more information about that on the website as well as things develop. (laughs) Definitely. And we can all get dressed up, which sometimes you don't get to do enough in Mendocino County because everyone's dressed down. Uh But and it'll be, you know, ideally there won't be so much COVID that we can't do this. We can all get together and celebrate and um, the street will be closed off. We can have a little street party and definitely check the website to make sure that that's the right date. But that's what's planned. And I should say that um, everybody obviously can go see it right now. It's it's on the outside of the conference center right downtown. So you can go walk along yeah. and look at it right now. Um, and also coming this winter, I'm working on some explanatory plaques, which may not sound exciting, but they are so exciting because <laughs> there's so much in this mural. Yeah. And you can get a lot visually, but now you'll be able to read, you know, who is that portrait? Why is that person holding a duck? You know, what's going on with that big jaggedy line? So those, I'm working on the content right now, and those will be going up this winter. Um, So the the website is historymural.com, and you can, it's huge. It's even bigger than my normal website, which is artgoddess.com. There's so much there. You can see source photos, find out who the portraits are, see uh, an explanation of all sorts of things in that mural. So please visit it. Wonderful. Yeah. And that website is just devoted to this mural, yes. the history of Ukiah uh, in this particular context. Yes. And it was sort of cool about getting the name. I didn't have a name at the beginning, you know, like Ukiah is a weird word. It's yeah. not everyone knows how to spell it. It's haiku backwards, but that yeah. doesn't help. Right. And so Ukiah history mural, you know, all these things weren't that great. And we had the website, my son does IT, and we had it at one of the websites I own, which is Mm goddess.graphics, which is an awesome website, but doesn't, you know, relate to it. And then just two months ago, 
I happened to look up historymural.com, which you think would be taken, and it wasn't. So I got it, and there it is. And there it is. Yes. So what exactly led you to begin this mural project? What, what started the impetus for this massive undertaking? Well, it is a cool story. I'll tell you first how it started before I even knew about it. And that was that people in Ukiah and the region wanted more public art. And there were a, a couple of local artists, especially Laura Fogg, who's a local mm -hmm. quilter in Ukiah. Yeah. Um, they got together. They met at the uh, corner gallery at the Ukiah Arts Center, mm -hmm. and they talked about it. They held public meetings. They invited uh, public input. What would the public like to see? And they came up with those three things that I mentioned about what they'd like the most, um, pride in our unique and diverse community, focus on the region, the landscape, and a positive sense of the future. And they gathered local money, and they got $7,000 of local contributions. And then our fabulous Mendoza, Arts Council of Mendocino County, which is headed up by Alyssa Weir, was able to take that and get a matching grant from the state of California Arts Council. Mm -hmm. And so then they had $14,000, they actually had money. And then the, the like third leg of the school, stool was a place. And so they got permission from the city. The city didn't have to pay any of this, but the city gave permission because mm -hmm. the city owns that building right. to use the North Wall. And it was a leap of faith on the part of the city, I think, because it's really big. It's a big conference center wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you wouldn't think, like, when I first heard the word, I sort of thought of the Astrodome, but it's not, <laughs> it's not a, like an isolated thing out in a parking lot. It's right downtown. Yeah. Um, and it's almost sort of hidden. It's giant, but hidden. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the city said, yes, you can do that. And they held a competition for, they actually had two projects. And one was a smaller one near the art, arts, uh, yeah, the arts council office. And the big one was this one. And so then they started advertising. And luckily, you know, I saw it in our local paper, the Independent Coast Observer, but I had a history myself. So my story now goes back again with that corner. First, I got married in the Saturday afternoon club oh, uh -huh. in 2000 uh, on winter solstice 2014 in that building at Saturday afternoon club, which is right on that corner Yeah. to uh, Dan Hamburg, my ex-husband, who was, you know, your listeners might know who was a supervisor and even a member of Congress a long time before I knew him. So we got married and then um, we, the marriage uh, failed, you know, like very quickly that the courtship was way cooler than the marriage. <laughs> and so that failed, it was depressing, but then, a really good friend of mine saw an ad that they're not an ad, but a notice that the community foundation was going to need a mural and they're like on the corner diagonal from Saturday afternoon club. Right. And so I applied for that and got that. And that, that was like super fun, cool project portrait of the County inside. So I could work late at night and it was a great thing. The timing of it was perfect because I was, you know, sort of sad about the failed marriage and all that. Mm -hmm. And so I got to 
sit in this beautiful room and get to know people and paint a portrait of the county. And so that was done. It's inside. It's got all the regions of the county with iconic architecture, iconic trees, animals, and geographic features, but no people. Mm. So that was great. Mm -hmm. Then in the ICO, I see the ad for this opportunity and I look up, you know, like I'm not too aware. Where's the conference center, even though it's across the street. Mm -hmm. And so I look it up and I'm like, oh, that's my corner. <laughs> yeah. This was definitely meant to be. So yeah. I entered that competition and ended up um, winning it. Wow. And did you have any idea at that point in time that it would take you years of your life? No. <laughs> and like I told you, I don't really... Uh, spend tons of time trying to figure out every single thing that will happen in the future. I, uh -huh. It's more like I know this is definitely what you need to do. Yeah. And so it, it was projected to be one year and then it ended up being four. And so I have the city to thank and all the other people, Alyssa at the Arts Council, everyone was patient. And I think once it got going too, they could see this is huge. There's yeah. no way to finish it in one year and it's yeah. worth waiting. Totally. It was your destiny. Yes. Painting. Okay, everyone knows what painting is. It had a really larger uh, role in the life of a community in the past because we didn't have photography absolutely now we have photography we have commercial printing we have we're we have video we have our phones we're inundated we're yeah. we're like under a waterfall of images yeah and um in the past they were rarer and in a in therefore sort of more um special or more focused and if you go we're thinking I'm thinking about Europe now but this is sort of somewhat widely applicable if you go to the pre-renaissance time you have a lot of imagery that's devoted to religion mm -hmm. and um, a lot of people were illiterate and so pictures were a good way to you know teach the gospel or show people all the things that the church wanted them to see and understand right and then with the renaissance you get a focus more on civic life and um personal personal life I mean I don't mean that generically like nobody before thought about their own life but you get it you find it in art more it's not just religious subject matter so right. you'd get for instance a city would commission a piece that was the subject of which was good government bad government and good government and there'd be this two big murals showing both of them mm. um rich people would commission a whole uh mural or series of murals about their family and it would show their property members of their family from the past and the present so you can unite them you know mm. people who've passed away you can bring them in everyone can be together right. and then also the artist would often put like his friends or his family in there like you know not in the prominent position not as the patriarch of the family sitting in his chair with everyone surrounding him but he if there needed to be onlookers or servants uh -huh, uh -huh. he might paint you know himself that right. was common okay. and i actually did put myself in the portrait but that's not important to this <laughs> discussion right now i put my kids in there too uh -huh. um but so you get this um practice of 
telling a story, either a moment in history or events, something important, say Venice, you know, some big yeah. thing that happened there that everyone wants to remember. So you get it portrayed and you get real people in it from the past and the present. And so for me, it was very cool to do that now. And I'm not saying no one else does that. Um, but what came to be so special about this one is just the quantity of local stories mm -hmm. and real people from the past and the present. And yeah. maybe it's because, you know, I needed to fill the space. I needed to, to, to depict all these subjects and you need models. So from kind of prehistory almost right yes it's like yes it goes way back it does the it mural starts with before people yeah yes the yeah the eons of time before people I didn't go back what I did was I depicted that part the nature panel with native uh animal species that are recent like so I didn't get mastodons and stuff like that right. maybe it should have <laughs> so it's all recognizable animals but it goes way back yes and so um the last thing I'll say about that practice from the renaissance is it's rare these days for a person to get their portrait painted right we all have a thousand photos of ourselves but not that many people have portraits of themselves painted right. yeah and it's it's cool you know, people like it, they're interested, or when they recognize someone, wow, I know that, I know those kids. Yeah. And yeah. so it really added depth to the project to get it to be that real. Yeah. And and maybe the other thing I'll say about it is I like hearing people's stories. It's sort of like uh, having a movie playing in your own head. If you ask them about their life or why did this happen or why, what happened with that horse and your dad who was mean and wouldn't let you ride it you know and then yeah. sometimes it's like therapy you know they'll tell me their stories and I always ask probing questions because I'm really interested yeah and then yeah. maybe partly because I'm painting uh -huh. and not looking straight at them I'm over here painting but listening and asking questions they'll tell me a lot uh -huh. so I get to put these very personal stories in into the mural, the mural. Mm -hmm. yeah wonderful The mural is on a wall that's over 200 feet long, and you've you've got these natural contours of the building, and so you've divided the mural into different um, sections and subsections, and um, there's 26 panels in all. Can you tell more about how how you decided to organize yourself? Yeah, it was so perfect. The wall is perfect for my kind of work because. As you can tell from me talking, probably I have a lot to say and I'm really detail oriented, but also encyclopedic. And so when you're thinking about history, it's almost nearly infinite. You could tell the stories within the stories. You could go on forever. Totally. And so um, the wall itself, it's a masonry wall and it's uh, got it's it's got these cracks, vertical cracks. I don't mean like it's falling apart, but they're the way it was built. There are um, lines in between about five and a half feet wide. So each panel, what I call a panel, is about 19 feet tall and five and a half feet wide. And then every four of them, there's a thing that looks like a flat column. It's called a pilaster in architecture that is it sort of isolates 
those four into a group this is a group uh -huh. then you have the column that's where the plaques are going to go too by the way so oh, cool. it's actually really convenient and um the wall itself the overall look of the building is modestly art nouveau or art deco it mm -hmm. had a decorative element at the top and when i got the job i really wanted to harmonize with the wall i wanted the mural to marry the wall yeah. instead of uh, have a big fight with it you totally. know? and since it's so big so the uh structure of the wall with the panels and then the sections of panels lent itself to the idea of lots and lots of different um subjects so in the foreground you could have a separate subject on each panel and they're separated by those crevices that run vertically up the wall but then in the background the uh, landscape that appears behind each subject can unite and that was mm -hmm. I, did, I guess I just thought well I just, that just occurred to me so um united the sky and the clouds and the distant hills all unite behind and at the very top underneath the physical decorative element that was part of the building i created another decorative uh, architectural element just in paint you know like a whole like the top of a, a greek temple say mm -hmm. and it runs horizontally and there are features that are sort of like column capitals and they use the shape of a heart and you know that's all really fun and then on each horizontal element way at the top i could put one word mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that word is and I have a list somewhere to thank for the the She's idea great. that it should be at the top. At first, I envisioned it when I did my sketch. The words are at the bottom, and that was not that smart. I mean, I did realize it over time because people walk there, cars are parked, you can't see the bottom. Right, right. And so she had that idea, and I said yes, absolutely, we're changing it. And so now at the very top, there's a hand lettered word that relates to that scene, but also probably to much of the other content in the mural. Mm -hmm. I got to use the handwriting I learned in grade school mm -hmm. to do all of those letters. So they're not perfect, but it's very, uh, you know, human looking. Mm -hmm. And then, the, yeah. And then the other thing about the overall setup was that, um, the, the colors. So the building is this light mauve and, I wanted to harmonize with it. And I also really love intense color combinations, but very um, sophisticated is a cool word, but not primary colors, you know, like not mm. bright red, bright yellow and bright blue together. Mm -hmm. So more um, deeper or lighter, different colors, tertiary colors mm -hmm. together looked really beautiful. And people responded to that. They loved the, the beginning there's a lot of pastel mm -hmm. no um they loved that those color combinations so that's something that i had a lot of fun with and then the other stylistic thing that you notice right away is i love curly cues i love decorative things i love repetitive pattern and so that all uh, comes into um the way i portray imagery which is realistic you know like if i'm going to paint you I'm going to use my life drawing skills and training that I had for over the period of many years in college um, to paint you as realistically as I can, but then use that patterning to make it awesomely beautiful, a little different from real life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so that's the basic setup. 
and then we can talk about each section. Right, so then you took those 26 panels? 26 panels, and the last one's a double one. It's well, a double wide. It's a grand finale. Yeah, and, and right, and the last one has 40 portraits in it alone. Right. It was insane. Wow. But, As you look at the wall, it's like we said before, it's divided into six sections. And I, I don't know, just because I live in Western culture, I tend to think left to right, mm -hmm. the way, the direction that we write in. So the beginning is on the left and on the right is the future, the only, and I didn't paint robots and stuff like that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but so on the left, starting um, with the nature panel, I just took one panel to depict the eons of time on our continent before human habitation. And if we really went by how time really was in history, the whole mural would be that. Right. And there'd be one for people. We'd be at the end of the last panel. Totally. Right. Like the last little bit. <laughs> the last <laughs> hour. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much to say in human history. So, yeah. So 25 panels have humans in them and one doesn't. So the nature panel... Uh, like I said before, depicts all of those eons with animals that you recognize now. And I'll just mention, it's full of families. There are, you know, there's a mother mountain lion with her kittens and four symbols of love scattered around her head. Oh yeah. And people who want to see this can go to the website, historymural.com while we're talking. And see and, it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of and just look, look at it yourself that hopefully the um, the menu at the top will help you. You can go, there's sections page, and then you can click on each section. And then each panel has its own page too. And there's lots of material there, but lots of background stories and talks yes. about what inspired you to choose those motifs yes. and what images. And yes, really well done. And I'll just say that in the nature panel, there are three portraits there are a bunch of different animals and animal families, native animals, native plants, but there are three wolf portraits. And the reason I could say that is not because I visited the um, Canadian tundra in the Arctic and have seen Arctic wolves myself, but because there's a local woman in Ukiah who works with uh, rescued wolf puppies and raises, adopts oh, them. And uh -huh. she... She herself has had two of them, and one of the portraits is Cinnamon, her wolf who has passed away, and the other one is Heavenly, um, who she currently has, and who I get to see lots of times working at the mural. Uh -huh. And the third portrait is Heavenly's mother. So then moving on from nature, now we get into the whole rest of the section. This is a big section because it has an extra one. It is devoted to um, Native culture and life pre-European contact. Mm -hmm. So these are the uh, millennia of time when the native indigenous people and then evolving into the Pomo tribes lived in the area and about all of their life ways, which is super interesting. And I can't list it all here, but the words are resourcefulness, bounty, and community and majesty. Mm -hmm. Majesty panel is the Redwoods. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that has to be in here. Our region is, I mean, Majestic, to some extent, yeah. yeah, defined by the redwoods and the proximity to the ocean. And so salmon appear and uh, a lot of depictions of Native people uh, gathering foods. They were hunter-gatherers, gathering, processing foods, and in their land of plenty, which 
was plentiful and bountiful. They used land management techniques, uh, especially controlled burning. And mm-hmm. so they would create a uh, an environment that sort of opened up more to the sun with a lot of undergrowth and the deer and the elk um, loved that. And they were so plentiful that when Europeans came to California, they were shocked, apparently. The accounts say they were just shocked at the amount of game here. Right. And so that is all through the section one. When I painted the community panel, that was the most populous panel at the time. There are 20 portraits in there. Oh, and I could say just a word about portraiture. Um, When I painted these figures, I always tried to use something, not just make it up out of my head. So I would use photographs of Native people from earlier times, but photography was invented in 1830s. So any photograph you have is not going back pre-contact. And so it's difficult that way, but I could at least portray these people, their faces, how they looked and what they were doing, and then take away the uh, Western clothing. Because of course, Native people in photographs often are in Western clothing. Yeah. And so um, I call them portraits because they're real people. I tried to envision them and be true to them, even though I didn't know their name. And in a couple of, in two cases, I was able to learn their names. One was in the community panel I was painting, the elder who uh, was a man who made money. Basically, it sounds like making money like we go to a job, but they literally made money out of um, these really thick clam shells that come from Tomales Bay that they would trade Mm -hmm. for. And they'd cut out little chunks and then drill little holes. You can imagine how hard that would be in this really strong uh, little chunk of clamshell. Yeah, they'd pre-drill and then they'd put it on wire grass and then roll it sideways on a big mortar stone so they all got to be the same width and di- same diameter. Wow. And so th- then that was those um beads were used for as currency. And there's a famous photo, pretty famous by the renowned photographer Edward Curtis who took pictures of native people in California, various tribes. And his recording of the subject was 16-year-old Pomo girl. And I used that. I put her right next to the elder. Mm -hmm. And she, because in the photo, she has a bunch of those necklaces with the currency beads. Uh And um, so I painted them. And then for the elder, I painted a man that I came to know. His name is White Wolf James. He's a native, local native person who um, is a historian. Mm -hmm. And he so he posed i told him you know i'm going to make you really older he's he's not that young if he hears this haha <laughs> but, but i made him older yeah and then when i showed him who i was painting right next to him the 16 year old poem girl he said i knew her her name's mm-hmm. francis jack he knew her in her later life the wow. photo was from 1926 i think so and she's 16 so you can imagine when she was born right. but he knew her later and he said on top of that the photo that I had used to paint a woman in the previous panel, a seed beater, um, that was her mom. And he knew her name. Her name is Cecilia Joaquin. So we can put names to at least a few of the people. Beautiful. Yeah, I know. Thank you, White Wolf, for knowing that and telling me. Yeah. 
that's like history and lived history. Yes, absolutely. And how precious to be able to give them those names and to um, situate them in, in a place of power in, in that panel. Yeah. Yes. And I think maybe one last thing I'll say about the native section is it, like there could, one could um, put forth the idea that it should have been a native person painting that. And I think there is tremendous value to have the people who are the subjects paint the, you know, make the art. Right. And let's see more of that. You know, I, mm -hmm. the more of that that happens, the better. Um, and what I would say about it in this context is this is a whole stretch of histories. So there's a lot in here. You know, right. I'm not a logger either, but I painted some loggers. Right. And so I put myself forward as a person who could paint this whole array and do it with as much truth as possible mm -hmm. to how um how history did play out and maybe to sensitivities to how they would want to be portrayed today anyway it was it's super meaningful to me to have been able to do that and i did it with as much respect and a, a, attempting to be as true to the history that as far as i could study it as i could mm -hmm. so the next section to go past the redwoods um this one is the one where i depict all that change all that happened with um european contact colonization and ultimately you could say conquest of the continent and then it, as far as California is concerned, the huge changes that came about with the gold rush, hmm. when you get the final, like the, it's apparently the biggest mass migration in our country's history was what happened in California mm -hmm. during the gold rush. And so it's also the end of the line for westward expansion. Right. You know, you had that idea of um, what's it called? Manifest, Manifest destiny. destiny. Oh, I yeah. know that painting with the, that like, blonde, beautiful young woman in a, like barely dressed, you know, floating along with the caravans of people coming in to righteously claim the land. Oh my God. Anyway, um, the California is the end. There's no more West to go. And so it was intense, fraught settlers came. I mean, well, let me just back up a tiny bit. The expanse panel, represents colonization. So under Mexican rule and Spanish rule. Right. And that was, you know, a time of conflict, but at least there was still a lot of land. That's why I use the word expanse mm -hmm. and sort of uh, space for coexistence. And, but then with immigrant, the immigration panel represents that gold rush and this influx, not just of a few uh, vaqueros and their cattle ranches, on the land grants that were given to soldiers who fought in wars to pay them. Right. And there were two in Mendocino County. Now you have hundreds of settlers and each wants their little plot and they were promised land and given land and that wasn't theirs, that wasn't empty. Right, under the promise of if you go and um, pan for gold, you mm. get to be on the land. Yeah, and you, you can have land if you settle it for some amount of time. And right. So it's super attractive to a lot of people. I mean, I'm glad I own my house. I'm happy. But there were already people there, too. Yeah. So there was massive 
conflict, displacement, starvation, and um, basically genocide. Yeah. So I had to portray that. And um, I want to give credit to the city, to all of the um, entities within the city that interacted with me. This project was the first one to go through their, at the time, new public art policy. Mm -hmm. And so I appeared before the design review board and the planning commission. And then ultimately, all of this would be overseen by the um, city council. And they were always supportive. I wrote a long letter about it. It's on the website. People can read it. I essentially said, we can't tell the story of this place without including that. Yeah. It has to, right? You can't, I mean, I always think about the family level. You can't tell the story of a family and write, paint a beautiful mural if there's an abuser in it. You know, he may be dead, but it sort of needs to be acknowledged and then you can move past it. Right. With acknowledgement, with truth, you can get to the positive sense of the future that they wanted as subject matter. Right, right. And so they were really supportive of me and I struggled with how to portray it. It was basically a question, do you portray the acts, which are gruesome and horrid? Horrific, I didn't yeah. think I could in a piece of public art that, you know, little kids are going to walk past all the time. It was, it was hard. So what yeah. I decided to do was to honor the endurance and strength of the people, of the Native people themselves, mm -hmm. and to portray the truth, but in a sort of subtle way. And I guess you could argue that maybe it should have been more explicit, but another mural perhaps should like go into all the parts of it. So I painted the panel we already listed expanse, immigration. Now we have uh, endurance and truth. And so endurance I showed in the distant, and it's the only panel that's in winter, right? Ukiah doesn't get a lot of snow, but every once in a while. Yeah. And so all across the whole back landscape is all warm and, you know, spring, summer. There's some autumn colors too, but the only one in winter is this one because it shows how hard it would be to say lost your village your village has been destroyed many people murdered and killed you made it out this mother that's in the mural but and you have your one little child and you somehow need to make it feed your child and not fall into despair too because mm -hmm. your poor child and so it shows her um having started a tiny fire, smokeless fire under just a, a bower of branches. And in the far, far distance, there's a settler's cabin. And they, you know, they had a tough life and worked hard too, but they at least had four walls and a fire inside. And <clears throat> she is under her bower of branches, snowy branches, with a little fire and she's trapped a quail and she's roasting it and she's got her child and you can see her sad face, but she's trying to keep it together for her child's sake. Well, yeah. And so endurance. And then the truth panel shows um, a woman lying on the ground on a striped blanket with her child grasping her child in one arm and her other arm grasping this purse, which is a beaded thing. And, um, it's a wedding bag, which the men made for their future brides. Mm -hmm. And so it, I was depicting her with her most treasured possessions, mm -hmm. the baby, the bag. And she's lying down on this blanket. And the blanket has red stripes in it, but there's also more red that's spreading out from beneath her. 
and the way that I painted her was deliberately as beautiful, soft colors, honoring like her essence. But then here she is gone. Mm. And that's indicated by the spreading red under her body mm-hmm. and above her in Valley Mist, which is like realistic, you know, Valley Mist comes into Ukiah and it's, it's really awesome and helps um, bring moisture to the trees. But up in the Valley Mist is a, a man and a, a boy who are her husband and her other child who had passed on who'd been killed previously Mm. say so that's the idea she's now gone to join them ancestors yeah yeah and and below her is a funeral pyre which well the fire has two functions one it was traditional to have a funeral pyre and put the person's belongings in the fire Mm -hmm. when in Mm -hmm. a normal pomo um observance of the passing away of a tribal member but also it's destruction and so I yeah. painted two things in the one mm-hmm. and rising from it is a red tailed hawk, which I meant to indicate the survival um, and flourishing as much as one can after so much decimation of the culture and the people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the ferocity needed to persevere. Yes. Given yes. the horrific yes. genocide of the native people. Yeah. Yes. And then I'll just mention one thing that, um, I also wanted to to accomplish the fact that that happened, but the Native people are are us. They're among us. You know, we've all intermarried and we're all here now. So they didn't, I couldn't just relegate them to, okay, this is the part about Native culture and now we move on and there are no more. So right. very right. intentionally, yes. all through the rest of it, I tried to include all the different groups. Awesome. So section, let me get to the next section and remember what I did. (laughs) Section three, then you move into administration, transportation, agriculture, timber, and education. Okay. It sounds like a a lot of Latinate words, but the first one, administration, it shows a beautiful old courthouse that stood in Ukiah that was just unbelievably beautiful and now the the stalinesque courthouse that we have currently is very sad <laughs> but but um it's painted in there and then beneath it, it are a whole scattering of documents and i used the word administration on purpose because well partly because ukiah is the county seat yeah. center of administration but it had to be administration and not the word justice say like you could say the halls of justice the courthouse etc because uh, the administration doesn't always lead to justice we mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. we strive for that but um the documents that are scattered below show that it can go in many different ways and mm-hmm. so certainly you know ukiah becomes uh, not ukiah california becomes a state that's awesome it's a free state it's not a slave state state that's awesome but partly because they had native slaves already so mm-hmm. um it's very complicated and certainly I, I always feel we definitely are proud of many things and that's good and with acknowledging the rest of it then we can continue in a positive way i think that's really the crux of what's been asked of us especially in the last few years i feel like we have to reconcile and to reconcile you have to be real first Yes, and and there's a period of time of continuing that reconciliation before we can move forward. I think yes. that until we collectively, culturally, 
as a um, as a United people have a reconciliation of genocide, really point blank. Um, we can't move forward, right? There's just you can't gloss over that one. You can't spiritually bypass the atrocities that have happened, and because on so many levels there's still institutionalized oppressions that um, will continue to filter into administrations mm-hmm. and to really have effectiveness and to really have a thriving people of uh, you know modern moving forward into whatever we're going to do together we have to acknowledge we have to and so in that way it's really beautiful that you were able to represent this in this mural and you know begin that journey of collectively publicly acknowledgement so thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Maury. That was perfectly said. And it is so true. I always come back to the family analogy. You know, say the current generations are doing just great, but this thing happened. Say that person, the abuser's dead. We'll never speak his name. We'll just move on. You can't. How would right. that feel? Right. Well, you then can't. there's epigenetic kind of like yeah. inheritance of those traumas and it's so fascinating. <laughs> yes. And if we just talk about it, now also the other thing is none of us are saying you are bad. You know, your right. your skin's really white. You've got to be bad. No one's saying that. None of us alive did those things back then. But we collectively, all of us just need to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. Just know what happened. And what's still happening, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that because they are married, there's, you know, the privilege that has been afforded through those heinous acts of oppressive regime continue. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's kind of the other reckoning is that to be real with what's still happening requires a reflection on where, how did we get to this place? Exactly. You know? And, and that is well documented. Yes. <laughs> historically. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the book that I relied on uh, for that part for the California part, the native genocide was Benjamin Madley's, oh, I always get the title mixed up, but if you look up Benjamin Madley, M-A-D-L-E-Y, it's um, a a California story, the Native American genocide, something like that from 2016. And he's a local, he he grew up in um, Humboldt County, Mm -hmm. I think. And that book is just fascinating and obviously very dark but it's mm-hmm. it's all documented it's it was super interesting mm-hmm. so after administration i go into transportation and i show the coming of the passenger rail road to ukiah and that was from a picture of the time and that was a big deal um it was in the late 1800s and i got to use this photo of the real event from that day and put someone that i knew in as the smallest portrait at the time, it was the smallest portrait. Now it's the not quite smallest portrait in the mural. His face is the size of a nickel. And he, um, my good friend, Phil Dow, who on whose board I served, he was for a long time the executive director of Mendocino Council, Council of Governments, which is our regional transportation body and does a lot of the funding of uh, the projects that fit in around like the freeways or major roads, you know, like pedestrian projects. Anyway, um, I was involved in that because I was mayor of Point Arena and and, and part of that yeah. work. So he got to be in the transportation panel. He's the engineer in the train. 
and he posed in real life for this portrait. And like I said, it's as big as a nickel. So it's sort of hard to see, but it was fun. That's great. And so as the mural progresses, it's, it is this chronology kind of yes. moving forward. And so um, for the purposes of this podcast, because we're running out of time, yeah, you you get to kind of explore the, the history up into the modern time. And then yes. what is the looking forward motif that you're able to capture? Okay, yeah. The, so the last panel, the whole title of the mural is Ukiah Valley Past, Present, and Future. The very last panel is the one, like all the other ones have one word mm -hmm. above them. The last panel is double wide because it has a, the fire spigot in it. So it doesn't have that crack in between what would have been two panels. <laughs> so it's extra wide and it's the one that I devoted to our future. And it's called Our Future Together. Mm -hmm. And in it, I put, um, we finally get to the ocean, like you're marching along in chronology left to right, but that also means you're marching west right. in the oceans over there. Yeah. And I know Ukiah doesn't uh, border the ocean itself, but it's still such an important part of our geography nice our, and oh, sure. everything. Yeah. We all love the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see it. It's there um, with the hills and the beautiful waves and all that. And then the setting sun over the ocean has words written in its rays. And mm. they I put there the values that um, I thought are among those that we need to achieve this positive sense of the future. Mm. And so then under that, um, you have multiple things. And I'll be quick, but this is an intense panel. And I just, we had a party at the end of it, you know, and it had those 40 uh, portraits in it and people came together we cracked champagne I got the champagne cork onto the roof of the building <laughs> but so underneath that the next thing you see is a vision of architecture and I did that because Ukiah and Mendocino County and California need housing so badly mm -hmm. and so the future there have to be enough places for all of us to live comfortably yeah. and um and with uh, with respect to the environment too. So I put mm -hmm. an imagined um, housing development that I just called Circle Village. And it's like, if you can imagine like a big rectangle of 24 acres or so has six circles in it. These are all big. They're like 300 to 350 feet across mm -hmm. and they all have houses in a circle and you drive around the outside of the circle, pull up to the back of your house and the front of your house with big windows and everything, you know, porch, et cetera, faces into the circle. Mm. So it feels really spacious. Sorry, and... could you say that again? Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't hear what... My watch. <laughs> anyway, we'll keep my hand away. <laughs> so Circle Village is like, would be a cool place to, to have a community living, a little pizza cafe, you know, a little... Um, Restaurants are on the outside. Yeah. You wouldn't have to drive all the time. And then to the left of that was another architectural vision of solar mm. houses with lots of passive solar. If you had a south-facing hillside. Passive solar, yeah. Yes, and you could get, these can be small. I think yeah. the footprint of one of these would be like less than a thousand square feet. Yeah. And they go up two stories and get passive solar and yeah. then some solar panels slant towards the sun and extend sideways into a carport and all that. And so then under those, the third architectural element was a vision of Stanley Street. And it could have been many different streets in Ukiah, but it shows the old and the new. 
that like respect for our beautiful older architecture, preserving it, preserving the housing stock that we have mm -hmm. and infilling. And um, it also has the coolest new building in Ukiah in it, I think, newish, which is Ruff and Associates. And I got to know these architects because of that building. They built their building in a lot that's like 13 feet wide. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. And it's in between all these historic buildings. So I won't get into it here, but it was sort of an engineering feat. But it's awesome. It's four stories tall and you don't even notice. Uh -huh. Just the good design. Yeah. And so to the left of that is a boy who I met working on the mural earlier. He actually appears in the education panel. Um, but he loves maps and loves to explore the city, you know, looking at a map. So I put him holding this blueprint to the future housing future at least. Mm -hmm. And then there's a group of, so on the left, there is a native man, Martin Martinez, who's blessing this space and creating sacred space with his eagle feather. Mm -hmm. Then there's a, a mother and child. And this is a local woman um, with her baby who posed for me at the mural. And um, then next to them are a number of different young people because sort of the original this shows you the original concept for this panel was i'm going to paint kids uh -huh. kids of the future that was like my yeah. one sentence kids are the future and yeah i'm going to paint the sun i'm going to get the ocean in paint kids yeah. and so we have redwood a redwood grove kids you know helping each other over a log and then other kids that have specific meaning in like what they're doing mm -hmm. how they're presenting themselves one boy who has a pet duck and he's there with his duck and um and then over in the center, there is a group of adults, five adults. I call them the G5. And what I wanted to do with that was paint adults. So you need the kids. The kids are there. But we also need the adults to get along and have respect to get yeah. to the positive yeah. future. So the G5 are um, five adults that I asked a bunch of people who, who should represent. Like, let's try to be as diverse as we can. Let's show somebody that let's show a group of people where almost anyone could identify with someone. Mm -hmm. And so I got advice about who to invite to be in this, you know, native person. Um, we have, let's see, let me go through the list. Juana Roscoe, who is Hispanic and the current mayor. Um, uh, Troyo Tunioli, who is a, a black rights activist and just retired um, human resources professional. We have Michael Hunter, native tribal leader. We have um, Chattery Upton, who is of Thai descent, but she lives here now and is a teacher. And, um, and then also, uh, so the group of five are standing there in conversation. And what I wanted to do was show them really together, not just me put them together with all the little photos, mm -hmm. but so they, we got together. And I took pictures of them actually conversing. Oh, cool. So they're in there. And then next to them is a group of Native kids from South Valley High School. And so it shows two group, group, a group of different people coming together and then a group of more similar people in solidarity supporting each other. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's also a retired rescue dog in there and, and more kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and at the very bottom, though, the thing I need to get in there is... The basis of it all is not human, it's nature. Mm -hmm. So they're standing on this soil, which shows the mycelium and mushrooms growing out of it, healthy soil, you know, producing healthy food, yes, the absolutely. basis for everything. Wonderful.
Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for sharing about this amazing project. You really took on a, a wealth of narrative and history and uh, compiled so much into this 26 panel art process. And I really appreciate how you've, you know, depicted different people and um, gotten a lot of local stories and narratives and portraits in, imbued into this and that it's available for everyone to see in Ukiah. It's really a, a work of art. Thank you. Thank you, Maury. Thanks for getting the word out about this. And, and I encourage people to come see it and also to look at historymural.com because there's so much. I talk so much, um, but there's so much more, all the more contemporary portraits and yeah. histories. And there's a lot there. There's so much to see. And one of your ambitions is to possibly create some kind of an audio tour because truly, I mean, as we're finding out through the course of this podcast, there's so much background on um, every bit of everything that was included in the mural. So there's a real um, undertaking that you've done and and now you get to play with how to share that and make it more and more accessible to everyone. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I'm Maureen Atura, and you can reach me by checking out my website, maureenatura.com. You can read about upcoming author events or sign up for my email list to stay up to date with the content that I create. If you go to maureenatura.com slash thepositivefantastic, you can link directly to any of the podcast episodes that have already been published and see short summaries as well as blog posts featuring a summary and contact info about each of my interviewees. I'm on social media and you can follow me on Facebook on my page Maureen Atura Author and you can follow me on Instagram at Author Maureen Atura. Check out my channel at youtube.com slash Maureen Atura to see a video montage of the artistic mural Lauren has created about Ukiah history. As of the recording of this podcast, Lauren is planning to have an opening of the mural on Sunday, June 12th, 2022. Be sure to check out her website about the mural, www.historymural.com, to see updates about the event as the date gets closer and to discover a wealth of information about why Lauren chose different images to represent each panel, the background stories about the narratives and personalities depicted, and to see work-in-progress photo documentation of the mural from start to finish. You can contact Lauren through her email, lauren at artgoddess.com, and you can follow her on Facebook at Lauren Sinnott. The song for today's episode titled They Paved the Way comes from Copper Woman. For more about her music and offerings, visit copperwoman.com. This third episode of season two of the Positive Fantastic podcast has been brought to you on the new moon. I hope you'll join us on the next full moon for another interview about how we as humans can truly thrive. Cheers and may your journeying be fantastic. <laughs>